The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Welcome to Issues That Matter with Edward King, a weekly program featuring interesting topics and fascinating guests. Each week, Issues That Matter tackles the concerns of people across all spectrums. And now, with this week's program of Issues That Matter, here's your host, Edward King. Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. And here we are on another wonderful Saturday. And today we have really another special guest, as, as we do every week. So I'm very proud that this week we've got Dr. Michael Hogan. Now, you might have heard him earlier on a program here or there with us, but that's because the man is uh, knowledgeable about so many different areas. And today's different topics are, are things that you should know. And they're very um, reasonable, but the problems that are not being shared with the rest of us, we're going to bring to light today. Now, of course, you remember that Dr. Michael Hogan was the past editor-in-chief of the Encyclopedia of Earth. Um, he's published over 1,220 peer-reviewed articles, and you know there's many different areas that he is an expert at. But today we're going to talk about, you know, his background with atmospheric physics, hydrological modeling, ecological modeling, and environmental impact analysts. He, in the past, has been the president and chief technical officer of Earth Metrics. And earlier than that, he was Director of Environmental Systems Labs at ESL, Inc. He's been a research scientist with NASA Ames Research Center, and he is a member of the National Academy of Sciences, the Transportation Research Board, founding director of the Association of Environmental Professionals. He received his Ph.D. in physics from Stanford University and received his undergrad degree from Princeton University. And, you know, with his emphasis on research in North America, but he has also conducted ecological research in 31 other different countries. Now, today, what we're going to talk about is we've got three major uh, issues and subjects that we're going to tackle. Initially, first up on the list is we're going to talk about water. And if I was to make a statement before the doctor comes on and tells us what the facts are, I basically think and believe, based on the numbers, that California doesn't have a water supply issue. It has a water storage issue. And Michael, I want to start with this. What do you think is the difference between a drought and water scarcity? Well, scientists for centuries have used the word drought to mean a shortage, an abnormal shortage of precipitation. And the United States Public Law 111.423 establishes that drought is defined by the scientific definition of abnormally low precipitation. Mm -hmm. So in short, drought is clearly abnormally low precipitation. Mm -hmm. But that term has been skewed and misused consistently by the media and our politicians. and. That's what I'd like to differentiate. Right. And neither the media or the politicians are scientists. I don't know any that are. (laughs) It's evident in what's going on. Now, we have just recently in, in the Western United States experienced a good flooding of rain. 
right? We've Correct. had a whole ton of rain. And my opening statement about the difference between the water supply, which I assume is rain, and water storage, the lack of water storage, and the, un, I mean, they literally in California have been destroying water storage systems, right? Correct. Correct. So did we, and this, I'll let you continue with your statements. I just have a real simple question. We had this wonderful rain season. Did they save that up? Did, you know, did they effectively take advantage of, I don't know, 95% of that water supply or did it all run out into the ocean? Well, California actually holds a record, Edward. We hold the record for the state that wastes the most water. Wow. And water wastage is actually an official term. What that means is the amount of rainfall that goes to no beneficial use. Mm -hmm. And the average state actually wastes 50% of its water. But California is a record setting under, under our present uh, government. Mm -hmm. We waste 76% of all the precipitation that falls. That means 76% of the water is totally wasted. It has no beneficial use for humans agriculture or ecology right so <clears throat> if if we got a 10 inch rain over a period of time you're saying basically that eight inches of it is where rolled out into the ocean or is it going into an aquifer or no not an aquifer it goes in that means going into the pacific ocean <clears throat> and here's the real irony and inconvenient truth yeah so this water wastage is actually contributing to sea level rise Oh, interesting. Huh. Did, uh, does anybody notice that? Uh, that hasn't been noticed by many people. I've, okay. pu I've published articles that point this out, but uh, they haven't seemed to resonate with our governmental officials. Right. Now, is there any tie-in with the um, amount of rain and CO2 levels and, you know, just <clears throat> because, you know, one of the shows that we had a number of months ago, we were talking about the benefits of CO2 rising. <clears throat> and, you know, I've done some research, the greening of, Amer of the world, Earth, so on and so forth. Go ahead. You've got something there. Well, uh, I could go into the ancient history of this question. The ancient history says there is utterly no correlation with greenhouse gases and precipitation. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll delve into ancient history just a bit here because it's quite important. Okay. We've had several periods of abnormally low rainfall in the last several thousand years. Mm -hmm. And they are all in the very cold periods. The Dark Ages, which started about 500 AD, mm -hmm. was a period of plague <clears throat> and... Um, social unrest as well. Social yeah. unrest and, uh, and very poor crop production. Mm -hmm. And the Little Ice Age, which only ended in 1850, was a similar age where we had plague, disease, famine. Right. right. Uh, it was not a good time, and that was the coldest period in recent history. Mm -hmm. And so it's important, I think, to look historically at, at what's going on. And that, that little ice age was also our greatest drought in the last millennium, mm. persistent drought. Mm -hmm. Even meg It's called mega droughts if a drought persisted for over 100 years. And the only mega droughts we've had in the last uh, 1,000 years have been in that very cold era, the Little Ice Age. 
So before you go on, I just want to ask a simple question. What's the cycle of water? So it's in the ocean, right? Let's just start there or lakes or wherever. Isn't there like an evaporation process that gets the water from there into the clouds? Of course. And then the clouds move over the land and convert the clouds into rain, which cycles it down into, right? Right, rain or low-lying fog, it, and then it uh, comes back to the surface, either on sea or on land. And right. That's, that's the hydrologic cycle. Okay, so that simple cycle is actually slowed down when the Earth is cooling during your ice ages and th- things like that. Is is that my understanding? Well, that's just what history tells us. Okay. It has nothing to do with greenhouse gases, incidentally. All of the historical data is really uh, silent on the presence of greenhouse gases. And we were on television. I'd like to show you one one graph here. This is the from the Western Regional Climate Center, and mm-hmm. it shows you California precipitation over the last 125 years. Mm-hmm. And if you look at this graph, it's pretty evident without studying it that rainfall oscillates. You have You have an average of about 22 inches per year, and a few years, it's a couple of inches above, and a few inches, it's a couple of inches below. Mm-hmm. There's utterly no correlation with temperature, the slight rise in temperature we've had over the last century, and no correlation with greenhouse gases. Precipitation oscillates. And so <clears throat> in none of these years have we had a severe drought. The The most severe uh water shortage or, or water shortfall mm-hmm. was in 1924. And since then, it's been relatively even oscillating up and down. If anything, yeah. you could look at the graph and say precipitation is slightly increasing over the last 135 years. Mm-hmm. So clearly no correlation mm-hmm. with greenhouse gas. So if, <clears throat> if we've had a relatively steady rainfall, you know, ups and downs a little bit, but just relatively steady, what would account for like the reduced water levels at like Lake Mead or even behind the <clears throat> dam? I mean, you know, is it consumption or is it the fact that we're wasting the rain that is being supplied to us by Mother Earth in this particular case? Well, the big picture, Edward, is that in the last 50 years, the population of California has more than doubled. Mm-hmm. And we have not built one single water storage or aquifer recharge project of any magnitude, Mm -hmm. not one. So we're really, we're literally trying to double the population and reduce our water supply uh, effectively per capita by a factor of two. That's what the government of the state of California has done in the last 50 years. They Mm -hmm. have not invested in any meaningful water infrastructure. In fact, yeah, go ahead. On the contrary, the, the investments they have made, such as the elaborate concrete line channels uh, for water outflow in Los Angeles, which are famous, that actually accentuates the water wastage. That's an infrastructure project which fights uh, aquifer recharge and fights the mm. ability to store water on land. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you had mentioned aquifers in Texas. <clears throat> I mean, our water supply, which comes from the Colorado River and some other sources, you know, we're really dependent on the Edwards Aquifer and some others that are, you know, major water, underground water storage sites. 
Well, yeah. we really have plenty of precipitation in California. Yeah. We we have uh, in in one year we have millions of acre feet uh, coming out of the San Joaquin Delta, mm-hmm. and most of that is wasted into the Pacific Ocean. From an environmental standpoint, and you had pointed back to the 70s, uh, that was, in my recollection, the time when environmentalists started taking over political decisions. I mean, I'm just picking on it because I remember it. There, I remember the arguments we had to save the newts and we had to save the little glass, you know, three-inch fishes in the delta because you brought up the delta at the same time, if we create water storage, doesn't that become a an environment that you know wildlife can actually benefit from? Well, absolutely, and th- this is where true environmental issues really should come more into focus. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a couple of examples. One water storage project, which was approved by the legislature years ago, is the Sites Water Storage Project, and in Glen and Calusa counties. This is what's called side channel storage. It's not a major dam. It wouldn't mm-hmm. disrupt uh, fisheries and so on. But it would allow water to be stored in lateral areas along the Sacramento River. Hmm. This is an ideal, true environmental project. And the governor in the last debates was asked, why hasn't this been built? It was funded and authorized years ago. And he said that he was waiting for the federal government to uh, to add further money because California was in such a state of needing money, mm-hmm. even though most of the money has been fully authorized. Mm-hmm. That would be an ideal, true environmental project, which would both add to storage and add to the sustainability of fish and wildlife. Because it would create wetlands. Would create wetlands. Mm-hmm. And you have a similar situation in Sonoma County in our North Bay, uh, the north part of San Pablo Bay. Now, the Sonoma Land Trust has been doing a splendid job. I uh, worked with them when I was living up in Sonoma County, and they have an excellent, what I would call true environmental posture. They are looking at real environmental issues, mm-hmm. not not so-called issues such, yeah. as, such as renewable energy. They... Uh, are looking and have started to flood uh, levied pasture lands along that San Pablo Bay. Mm. And this would create mm-hmm. tremendous amounts of habitat, but it would also create water storage and recharge. Yeah. And this is not an expensive project. Uh, purchasing these agricultural lands, it would be done for a pittance compared to the amount of money we're spending on electric vehicle charging stations. Would we even have the, not only the mindset, but would we even have the technology to build something on the magnitude of the Hoover Dam? Well, we have the technology. The real question is the cost effectiveness of Mm -hmm. dams. One of the things this leads me to is the importance of micro dams. Uh, We can actually generate a lot of power in a very small dam that that has minimal impact upon fish movement. Mm -hmm. But this is not really with the economic model of our utility companies. PG&E would have no interest in this because it's not of a scale uh, that would be efficient for them to manage and produce income. So we really need to look, if we're concerned about true environmental benefits, we need to look at things like micro dams because we could put these in areas which you wouldn't think of for a big hydroelectric project. Mm-hmm. But the ideal thing, and, and this is going on, 
that some industries are locating in locations where they can take advantage of these micro dams and power their entire facility with one small dam. Mm. Now, over in the Monterey County area, there was, um, they have the Carmel River, and wasn't there some damming that they removed or, I mean, what was going on with that? I seem to remember. Well, it's somewhat complicated, but there were a number of small dams that were being removed for uh, restoration of habitat. Mm -hmm. And I have no complaint with doing that. Mm -hmm. It's just that uh, there are certain sites where putting in small dams with adequate bypasses for the fish would right. be would be beneficial. I, what they've been doing in the Carmel River is fine. They have an eye on on restoration, and they can do mo even more with some of the side channel. Uh, stories that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, because I know I've done a lot of traveling, like Alaska or Idaho, and whenever I was on any of the waterways, and certainly we could talk Alaska, where they, you know, live and thrive on the salmon, uh, it never seemed to be a problem. I mean, they always managed the uh, what do they call it, where the fish can ladders, fish ladders. Thank you very much. And you know, it seemed like that there was a real. Um, effort on the part of humans to actually participate in the health and well-being of the fisheries. Absolutely. So it's it's not like we have a history of let's just eat and let it all die out. It's like there are ways that we can, you know, coexist with the environment and meet some of the needs. Now, if we were adequately storing our water, even getting to the 50% point, like you had mentioned other states are at, would we still need to be chasing the road of desalination plants? I mean, we're not like Israel. I mean, we're, we're living in the just north of the Sahara Desert. I mean, well, and uh, there, there's a place for desalination okay. plants. But you're right. If we, can, if we can stop wasting water, and I'm not talking about wasting an individual household. Mm -hmm. Wasting is really a governmental activity where we, we have decided as a government in California that we are willing to waste 75% of our precipitation. Mm -hmm. If we would reverse that and say, we're not willing to waste that much, we want to do whatever it takes, side channel storage or groundwater recharge, but invest in water storage infrastructure. Uh, we wouldn't need desalination plants. Yeah, because they're very expensive. I mean, we could take that money and invest it into these micro dams and, you know, the other water storage methods. No, there are many mechanisms. The aquifer recharge is actually one of the most important. Uh, mm -hmm. I led a study in the 1980s for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for Monterey County. And we were examining what the future of aquifer recharge would be over the next 40 years. Guess what? We're at the 40-year point. Yeah. And our predictions were on target that if we didn't invest in aquifer recharge, we would be in a dire situation. Mm -hmm. Now, that report wasn't really read by many people in government. The Corps of Engineers read it. They said, yeah, this is obvious. This is true. This yeah. is factual. It's a good prediction. But our governmental leaders who had access to this report didn't read it and didn't care about this outcome. So it's not part of the political will. Correct. That's sad. So, you know, there's more to it than that. You had just mentioned about, yeah. you know, the historical data over literally the centuries that you've got in there, or at least the 120 years that you've got on that particular graph there. <clears throat> 
who do you think are the interested groups that could participate to move the needle on the political will to to get some more realistic understanding and planning up in Sacramento or in out of the states? Well, I, th I would start with our land trusts. We have some outstanding land trusts. The Big Sur Land Trust has an outstanding staff and mm -hmm. charter, the Sonoma Land Trust, the Marin Land Trust, the Peninsula Open Space District. Uh, these are people that know what's going on. They know what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would start with their acumen and other independent scientists and really uh, look at projects that are good for the fundamental environment. I'm not talking about the mythical environment right. of renewable energy. I'm talking about the real environment of preserving fish and wildlife and our precious water resources. Well, it seems to me that <clears throat> those are isolated individual or groups. I mean, they shouldn't be isolated because their impact and their, their guidance and leadership impacts all of us. But wouldn't there be other um, interested parties to this, like agriculture comes to mind, um, residents? Because, you know, I have seen a transformation of just personal landscaping decisions that people can make in their home. And, you know, when you, when you remove um, <clears throat> an irrigated gr grass lawn, as an example, and then just let it go fallow. Then you end up with, I know in my area, gophers. <laughs> just, I, I can't help it. Every place I go, I see gophers. I mean, it just seems like that we, that Mother Nature has provided us the water supply that is supporting the doubling of our population. If we were managing our water storage and back in the 70s had made some more practical decisions to move forward in terms of we knew the population was going to grow. I mean, it's not a mystery. And if you look at the population now, I think the only reason why California's population has dropped by what, five million or 500,000, right? Anytime you want to correct, just jump in there. That's why you have a mic, Kristen. I didn't want to appear out of absolutely nowhere, so. Okay, well, now welcome, that I've been brought into the conversation. Well, welcome to our program. You know, just for those that have been listening to me over the last four years, um, I've brought in uh, Kristen Hurley, who has recently had a program over at another radio station, not a competing radio station, because we're far bigger and. I'm just playing with her. Right Actually, now. everyone up there is saying the station that shall not be named. <laughs> Going through some growing pains or some uh, changes. Yeah, but changes, we're, we're really say. glad to have you parting a, a part of our program because, you know, we've grown from one hour to two hours and our reach is continuing to expand. And, you know, I just can't tackle this all by myself. And um, Kristen's got the experience and the wisdom and the knowledge and the passion to, um, you know, add to mine. The essential female perspective on things. Yeah, that was the other thing. lacking, Edward. 
Well, thank God, because <laughs> <laughs> my gender identity is—if is, you were in question—is <laughs> historically still male, which probably we could get to on another show. But um, plenty of yeah topics. No, and then <clears throat> you know Michael very well, and, and I've been you know very blessed and honored to have his uh, acquaintance for some time now, and. Um, you know, the, the reason why I bring Michael back onto the program more than once is because <clears throat> the issues that we're talking about today, we're talking about water, impacts all of us. And, you know, it's not, and it's within the reach of this radio show because it's, it, it's not just the problematic problem of California. You know, this problem is across the Western United States. We've just enjoyed a, just a lump of rain that could have turned this around. Now, it, based on your numbers, your facts that you brought to bear, I just wonder why the press prior to this last rainstorm um, <clears throat> has been just telling about this mega drought that we've been suffering for the last three years. And, you know, the, the world is coming to an end, according to watching the news. I mean, what's what's your reproach, uh, response to that? I mean, you know, why do they just keep getting away with stuff like that? Well, I come back to Google searching on this one. If you do Google searching on the history of rainfall in Monterey County in the last hundred years, what you'll find is the top fifty Google hits are blogs about a drought, mm -hmm. uh, which drought does not scientifically exist. So that we, we really have a media and a blogosphere that has agreed that the narrative we're going to use is that we're in a drought. Mm. And that's that's just an utter fallacy. Mm -hmm. uh, the only reason we even have a water scarcity is what we've talked about, that we're wasting our water yeah. by, by governmental policy. I'll tell you one other fun fact that uh, <clears throat> we don't even store water that's come down in the recent storms in an efficient manner. And do you know why? No, please tell the, us. The reason why we don't store all the, the water that we could store because we're worried about spring flooding. Now, spring flooding could be an issue, but mm -hmm. it's really the reason for that is that our government does not want to be embarrassed by spring flooding. So it's managing water is a tricky business. Yeah. But the government persistently, consistently, errs on the side of not storing water. And that's one reason we have so much wastage there. Mm -hmm. They are unable to take risks. We live in a world of risks. We're always going to have some mm -hmm. flooding. And so the spring flooding, though, comes from our snowpack. And no, that's, well, I'd call that the summer flooding. Oh, okay. Have, spring flooding would come from the, the uh, continual rains. Mm -hmm. So the, the March, early April flooding. And that's because be the rainfall. ground is saturated yeah. and the runoff. The is... May, June, we would call snowpack flooding. Okay. All right. But to me, what you just brought out, spring flooding, early summer flooding, those are known entities. I mean, those... Totally known. There's no, no mystery about it. <laughs> right, because it happens every year, and the more the better, actually. Um so why don't we make some storage water storage decisions that are prepared? Because again, I, I hate to go back to Texas, but when you travel around any part of Texas and you watch them build new communities, one of the essential parts that always happens 
is managing water runoff because, you know, in Texas, we'll get 10 inches of rain in an hour. And you, you drive down any major road and you'll see these big concrete or, or designed basins that capture the water so that they're managing the flooding in a neighborhood by neighborhood basis. So in essence, they're thinking about it in advance. And it also, the other interesting thing is I watched them build a major freeway. Um, what was it? 184 or something like that from the northern part of Austin out to some of the new communities they built. They built this massive, beautiful freeway in four months. And we're talking, you know, 10, 15 miles of freeway. You know, if you go through your area, you live over in Santa Cruz, they've been playing with Highway 1 for, I don't know, 20 years. And I remember when they built the, the new 101 from Morgan Hill up into the San Jose. Literally the day they finished, because I was commuting to go to college up there at the time, literally the day they finished building it, they started back at the front end of it again to add more lanes because they only built it two lanes each direction. That's our tax dollars at work. That's, Signs say that. It's not at work. <laughs> I wouldn't use that word. Tax dollars at, at perpetual play. break. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's so many problems. And even in terms of building these water storage things that you make a very positive argument for the benefit of it, and we've known about it since the 70s, do you think that the political will which was misdirected by the the environmentalists, and I've used that in quotes because I'm not really sure that they can qualify because of the fact that they had an agenda. Do you think there's also a tie-in in terms of spending money? I mean, because we just said our dollars at work, well, they could have built four lanes at the same price basically as two lanes the first run through, but then they got the double-triple their expenditures and who who benefits from that uh, the unions I, I don't know and I, I know it's not part of the topic of today it's just well i don't want to point fingers at at unions or even government for some of the very bad decisions mm -hmm. but we really need to to get back to understanding what the fundamental environmental benefits okay. are i think that's that's the crucial thing and uh, i used to be an active member of the Sierra Club when they had a true environmental agenda. Uh, but they have gotten uh, tied in with many political entities. Mm -hmm. And while there are many good people in the Sierra Club today, uh, they've become much more involved with litigation and with political agendas that really don't pertain to the protection of fish and wildlife and our natural environment. Mm -hmm. Back to what you said earlier, though, we def the interest groups for this are well beyond the land trusts, the individual residents, yeah. agriculture, very important. And I, before I ask you two more questions about this, um, do you think, you know, we lost 500,000 residents recently, and I, I, I don't know if that's a net number or just an outflow number because, you know, the, the influx that we're getting across our border, and I don't know if they count those. I know they're going to let them vote. Um, but um, do you really think that based on what you've seen of the mistakes in California over the last 40 years, and I would love to hear more about individual projects or lack of projects that, that you would consider mistakes, how can California go forward 
based on our historical choices. I mean, it, it would have to be a completely different mindset. Well, it's it's a completely different set of priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, we never hear our governor talking about fundamental issues of protecting fish, wildlife, and forests. We hear a lot about electric vehicle charging stations. Yeah. And uh, that is really not a good priority because, as we well know, the electric vehicle in its life cycle generates more carbon and more sulfur than a simple hybrid vehicle. Mm -hmm. So we need to shake off some of these political priorities, which are not based upon fact or science, and get back to fundamentals. Mm. Do, you, do you think that's possible? It's possible. It's very difficult because the uh, the state has been under one party rule for forty years, mm -hmm. and that's that's a very difficult cycle to even uh, try to equilibrate. I mean, if we had if we had two voices contributing to the discussion, we could yeah. get somewhere. But uh, we're very far away from having two voices. We have one voice in Sacramento. Yeah, and but I'd also venture to guess because, you know, if you look at some of the McConnells of the world and the Romneys of the world, I think they're kind of more universalist in terms of, you know, party efforts are basically both on the same side and the side that they're on is, is meism. What can I, what's in it for me? You know, what we really need is, is we need a big upsurge, a revival of American interest, and I don't mean nationalist interest. I mean, you know, we used to have common sense involved in our political conversation. And what you've brought up to our program today says to me that they completely overlooked common sense and the facts in terms of this, even this subject, water storage versus water supply uh, you know the amount of water that we got on the west coast uh, washington state oregon idaho you you continue name all the states in california seems like that would have been years worth of water value if we had been managing it with forethought correct am I, am if, I we could have, if we could have saved and rescued a portion mm -hmm. of this vast rainfall we've gotten this year mm -hmm. But I, actually, our water wastage has gone up this year. Mm. And in, a, in this weird, twisted world that we are in these days, I actually find it interesting that in a time when people are asking questions about not just the environmental stuff, but just about everything, asking questions about what's the role of government in my personal life, yeah. these kinds of things, I, you know, in a weird way thought, well, this is an excellent, excellent conversation starter. The fact that we had so much rain this year, which everyone around here, oh no, it's raining, you know. Yeah. But they are, and I've heard people in casual conversations at the gym or mention it, you know, various places, people who would not otherwise have taken notice of what does California actually do with its water mm -hmm. are asking those questions this year because we got such an enormous chunk of it and everyone says tongue in cheek, oh, well, they're going to be telling us we're in a drought this summer and ha, 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 ha. But the again, the the bear is getting poked, the lion's awakening, you know, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, tragically, we've lost a lot of water out to the Pacific. But have we gained 
interest? Have we gained people's awareness and awakening uh, to these types of things? Again, you know, we've, without going on too long here, we have abdicated this type of responsibility for ourselves, our mm -hmm. communities, given it to these government people that, and, and they have failed us in lots of ways. So I'm just saying we're working really hard on changing the responsibility levels of people on a personal level on all sorts of things. And, and maybe a really heavy rain here, the lot of water that just went out to the sea will spark a higher percentage of people um, into taking interest into these types of subjects. Well, I think you hit on the point, and I know Michael's brought it up, and Michael's an, an active person is participation. You know, you've been doing letters to the editors and a whole variety of newspapers and sources because, you know, we need to have voices be heard. And what you just brought up is that we've been lackadaisical about our responsibility for our own lives. Um, just with the fact that, and we need to take a sponsor break here in a second, but the fact that 60% of the American population is receiving some sort of government handout in one way or another, 60% of the population. And, you know, once you start going down that road of reliance on a government, the last thing you want to do is upset the apple cart because, you know, you'd rather sit home and not work and just take the freebies. So I agree with you that the voice of the American public needs to be woken up. But what we also have to get them is get them off of the drug addiction to government funding or, you know, back pocket, here's some money. I mean, it's like every time they make a mistake, uh, and we're going to talk about that in the, another segment about the, ra the railroad disaster in, in Ohio. Um, you know, they quickly said, oh, there's aliens and they're flying across Canada. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here in the real life. And, and we keep falling for it. But unfortunately, I have to take a break. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Issues That Matter with Edward King. Basically, we're BCR Radio. And we'll be right back. Interested in investing, inflation, or your retirement? I'm Heather Wagonhalls from Freedom Fest TV. I'm personally inviting you to Memphis, July 12th through 15th, 2023, for the Global Financial Summit on Investing. Learn top ways to beat inflation, create economic and financial resilience, something for everyone. Go to freedomfest.com, use discount code BIZ50 for 50 bucks off. Claim your seat now at freedomfest.com. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, business writing, Outlook, and sexual harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at AllianceTrains.com. Okay, we're back. Thank you very, very much. And, you know, Michael, I think this this topic about, you know, water storage, water responsibility here in California and, and other states, 
uh, is a topic that will go on and on and on. But what I want to, to leave with them before we move on to the other topic is what specific mistakes has California made that with the, the 2020 hindsight, we as a, a, a voice of reason can point to, to say, don't make this mistake again. Well, are there any projects that you could highlight? Well, there are dozens. I mean, the sites, uh -huh. the sites water storage project I mentioned, that has around an $8 billion price tag. It's How long ago was that approved? Around seven years ago. Okay. Legislative approval funding. Uh, that's just a classic mm -hmm. example. And in, in the last gubernatorial debates, as I mentioned, our present governor failed to talk about the, the real value or why it had been put off. Just said he was he was doing some paper processing with the federal government, trying to get a little more funding from them. I thought we had a big budget. Uh, well, we did last year, Edward. We had tons of money sitting did, around, but now we're like twenty billion. Yeah, now they, yeah. they revisited that and said, "Oh, whoops." So, yeah. so the biggest mistake is in the years where we had this golden financial era in mm -hmm. California, where we had hundred billion dollar a year surpluses. Yeah. Let's spend some of it on water resources. Oh, it's already not, spent. Not, not all of it, but so it's already spent. Well, it, you said clarify the mistakes. Yes, that was a please. huge mistake mm -hmm. in 2022, 2021. Mm -hmm. It was an ongoing mistake. Now, with <clears throat> with the deficits that we're staring at and the 500,000 people leaving California per year, who mm -hmm. are some of the higher taxpayers. Uh, we don't have that luxury. We need to really start to invest more wisely. We need to examine whether a $2 million toilet in, in San Francisco for the homeless uh, is our best weapon uh, moving forward against the problems that the state faces. Mm -hmm. So was there any other specific decisions in the last 40 years <clears throat> that we could also look at as you know lessons to be learned. Well, let's look at uh, land use planning. You mm -hmm. you mentioned in Texas, you have commonly these neighborhood water storage reservoirs. Yeah. Uh, we have one out in Marina. When you when you drive out the highway there, you see a wonderful project with a vast water storage. It's not really expensive. You just leave the land open and let the water accumulate mm -hmm. and recharge the aquifer. Mm -hmm. We could have been doing that with our land planning practices. Instead, our land planning in California is for further densification, further right. concrete, mm -hmm. further building up of the urban heat island, things that don't aren't really beneficial, but they are political agenda items rather than environmental and resource. Mm -hmm. So the urbanization, and this is taking you off topic, um, it actually has a negative impact on our environment. You, you had mentioned the heat, the the concreting of the area, because I've been in big, big, big cities like New York City and so forth like that. And um, do you think that their direction of going that way is actually going to cause us more problems in the future? Well, clearly, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of water runoff and lack of recharge of the aquifers mm -hmm. clearly that uh in terms of air pollution we've gotten air pollution has greatly improved but these urban centers definitely aggravate the air pollution issues um we really <clears throat> we really have to get back to understanding 
where freedom will take us if we let people make decisions about where they want to live and how to develop the land in an environmentally sound way instead of coming in with top-down decisions on densification, Mm -hmm. housing, affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Affordable housing is kind of a joke. The only reason housing in California is unaffordable is because of government regulations. Ask, Ask any builder or developer and he or she will tell you that the majority of our increase in housing costs has come from the extremely high regulatory environment of California. And you're absolutely right. I had, on the fact, <clears throat> I had uh, talked with, this was probably about five, six years ago, I was talking to the woman who was the president of the California <clears throat> Realtors Association. And I was complaining about prices because I came from Texas where you could buy an affordable house for 59000 or a nice house for 129 And she said in San, San Diego County that 40% of the sales price is regulatory cost. That's about right. So, I mean, if you're buying a million-dollar home, you're actually buying a $600,000 home and you're giving away $400,000 to government bureaucracy that doesn't really benefit the value of the house, doesn't benefit the quality of the house or the neighborhood, doesn't reduce crime because, you know, we're defunding the police. So, I mean, you know, it just seems like we're all going off the wrong end here. And, you know, water, we cannot survive with wa- without water. We can't grow crops without water. I mean, we we can't even populate schools if we can't provide water inside the school for the children. So with water being so central to life, why is it that we just put it aside? Well, we have a political dialogue from mm-hmm. the top of the state embedded in the media that tells us we have a drought when we really don't. Mm -hmm. And when you have that kind of dialogue, this dialogue has permeated the population. Go out on the streets. I I like to talk to people every day that I don't know and ask them what they think. And most people seriously think that we have a lack of precipitation. It's just factually incorrect. Right. So the media is the problem. The media is really more of a fundamental problem even than the government. If wow. the government were allowed to talk and we had objective analysis, uh, the population would have a, a general idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we're raising up a generation or many generations, as it were at this point, of people that just do not understand the, the science, right? Michael, it took you know two minutes for you to produce a paper here mm-hmm. in the studio um, with a chart that showed rainfall over what, 100 and whatever, years. 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's easy to obtain, you'd think it would be easy to obtain, and easy to disseminate. And people crave understanding. I, I, I love this kind of stuff, right? I think it's inherent that people don't want to be fed garbage. And so my point is, is the kids in schools we have raised up in California, innumerable children that don't have an actual grasp on the facts you can say anything you want these days. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's what people take as reality. But it, you'd think it would be so easy to interject actual factual 
um, you know, science and understanding of the natural world into schools. They were less agendized. Mm-hmm. And we would in turn be solving our own issues, right? You'd have a populace that understands the seasons and the cycles and the, you know, we talked about the <laughs> hydro, high, sorry, the hydrologic cycle, right? Mm-hmm. How many kids actually could pass a test on that in, in high school these days? Anyways, it's part and parcel of how do we wrap our minds around we're in a, we're in a pickle and how do we come at it to get ourselves for our future out of this mm-hmm. and education has got to be part and parcel and key to it and, oh, and, and really it's sad point. that no one that you know all they learn in school is how racist the rain clouds must be or something like that well they don't even know <clears throat> who we went to war with in the war of independence and, it's and they don't know extremely sad that and they don't know which country is connected <laughs> to the united states okay, my favorite is they're like what country is the queen of england from The kids are like, I don't know. know. So Mm -hmm. it it just, you know, to me, it just screams, you know, and I would ask you, Michael, if you had, you know, if you had the magic wand, how would you start to interject this kind of quality education? Um, And and that's such a fundamental thing for our future. How do we go about educating people? Well, a new group of us is forming in Monterey County with with this uh, charter. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a group of people who are rather successful in their own careers. Uh, we have three people in the group that have been advisors to U.S. presidents. We have two of the top economists in the nation. We have a host of Ph.D. scientists. We have a host of the best artists and sculptors in the Central Coast. Mm-hmm. And our mission is to present content and inspiration to the young people of the Central Coast. Mm-hmm. And we just had our first organizing meeting about three weeks ago. And uh, we've already gotten 10 invitations to speak in schools and community groups from the Central Coast to Dubai. So uh, this group of uh, people who want to give back to the community, especially to the education of the youth, is on the move, Kristen. Yeah. That's Americans solving our own our own situation. Well, it, it's reasonable voices speaking out. So, in essence, it's science and art. Arts. Right? It's, Ar- it's, arts. it's an arts and science. Ar- arts and science. And in essence, it is a non-political but rational group of people who are just stating the facts and, and educating our youth, but also educating adults. So, it's, it's not just going to be um, speakers <clears throat> speaking at small schools or anything like that. It's going to be that and many other areas like the colleges and and other public forums. Um, I look forward to the panels and you probably need somebody that would be a good person to question and ask questions of the panelists. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) shameless push, (laughs) but that's okay. You know, I'm a member, but I, I haven't, I have no responsibilities. So I need to take another quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Issues That Matter with Edward King, uh, BCR Radio, and we'll be right back. Interested in investing, inflation, or your retirement? 
I'm Heather Wagonhalls from Freedom Fest TV. I'm personally inviting you to Memphis, July 12th through 15th, 2023, for the Global Financial Summit on Investing. Learn top ways to beat inflation, create economic and financial resilience, something for everyone. Go to freedomfest.com, use discount code BIZ50 for 50 bucks off. Claim your seat now at freedomfest.com. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, Business Writing, Outlook, and Sexual Harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at AllianceTrains.com. All right, so we're back and, and we're just finishing up our first hour. And I really encourage everybody to stay tuned to the second hour. Of course, we have to take a, a news break at the top of the hour. But um, for right now, we've still got two more minutes left. Um, and before we wrap on this particular topic, Michael, um, what would you want to say to the listeners in terms of how can they educate themselves? And obviously you made the crack about Google, the top 50 responses were, you know, people's opinions and they all mimicked literally the same thing and all of it lacked the facts. How can we as individuals educate ourselves besides listening to this program? Because one of the things I love about this program over the last three, four years is, you know, we bring rational thinking experts, whether it's the economists that you've mentioned or others, to educate people, to get people to understand that there is a true story and not the one that CNN has been pushing. So I, I would say, look at the facts before your eyes. One of the most important stories that's broken in the last several weeks are the whale deaths off the East Coast. Mm -hmm. We have an, had unprecedented number of sperm and humpback whales that are washed ashore. This is not accidental. Yeah. It is totally coincidental with the development of offshore wind farms. Mm -hmm. But this, there's very little in the American dialogue or, or awareness about this fact that's right before our eyes, that's an environmental calamity and that we can do something about yep. by, by simply putting a moratorium on ocean wind farming until we understand better what's happening. We, yeah. we know what's happening. Right. So what we're going to do is everybody hold on, hold on to the next hour. We've got two major topics that we're going to dig into with our Michael Hogan here and Kristen Hurley. And uh, thank you for listening to the first hour. And thanks very much, Edward King. We'll be back with another hour of Issues That Matter coming up. And you've been listening to Issues That Matter with Edward King. You can contact Edward through our website, which is bcrradio.com. And be sure to join us again next week at the same time on this station for another edition of Issues That Matter with Edward King. The preceding was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.